This is Christy Drutman and you are listening to Brown Girl Green, where I interview environmental leaders and advocates about workplace and member diversity and inclusion and creative solutions to the climate crisis. I'm working to change the image of what it means to be an environmentalist in the 21st century. What's up, everyone? This is Brown Girl Green recording this podcast on Ohlone territory, otherwise known as the Bay Area. I wanted to talk today about an important topic, which is the circular economy. So as we are currently seeing with the COVID-19 pandemic, our current economic system is fragile, as many have been left destitute without the proper resources, care, or economic funds to sustain themselves or their businesses. It begs the question, how will our economy possibly return back to normal? It is becoming more and more apparent that the ways companies have operated, especially in times of crisis, do not boast resilience. So that's where the circular economy comes in. Imagine taking lots of garbage and turning it into a profitable business. That's kind of what it's about. It's tapping into the gap between what is wasted between production and consumption and finding a way to put those resources back into the economic system to thrive. Since the Industrial Revolution, humans have been following a linear approach when it comes to natural resources. We're focused on turning natural resources into products by extracting it, by mining it, by manufacturing it, and basically creating it into products for mass consumption. Then a lot of these products aren't really viewed as something that would be put back into the system. They tend to just be discarded or thrown out into landfills. So basically, we're just continuously extracting and consuming materials and resources and not allowing any space for those resources to be regenerated. They just get used and tossed in the garbage. And according to the circular economy, they released a report that indicated that only 9% of the world is circular today. That means that only 9% of the 92.8 billion tons of minerals, metals, biomass, and fossil fuels that enter the economy right now are reused every year. As for the remaining 91%, as for the remaining 91%, experts from the circle economy call it the circular gap and are trying to come up with ways on figuring out how to close it. So this is like a big deal because like, think about it. We're just using all of our natural resources and continuing to use them and not actually replenishing them back into our economy, back into how we're using them at all. And so, of course, we're going to continue to have like this need for more deforestation and plundering innocent communities and killing people for resources because our government leaders, especially those in developed countries in the West, people who have colonized and plundered a lot of countries in the global south for their resources are not really as concerned with how resources are being distributed or managed properly. We're realizing that our economy is just promoting the depletion of natural resources at a really scary and terrifying rate. And so the circle economy is basically trying to challenge that and trying to say, no, it doesn't need to be this way. And actually, like, a lot of environmental 
groups and activists, et cetera, are always pushing the agenda like, we need renewables now, or, you know, we need to stop fossil fuels. And yes, those things are like super important. And of course, we need a clean energy future to be dealing with the climate crisis. But what about all the crap we are producing in the world today? What about the greenhouse gases that are produced from that process, especially when we're learning that a lot of the materials and the stuff that's going into it to be both produced and consumed is just ending up in the garbage? What are we supposed to do with that information? I think what's interesting is that when we're talking about greenhouse gases and reducing our, our footprint as a society, we're not really talking about how the products that are being made are being produced or how our economy is functioning to continue to promote mass consumption without considering uh, how natural resources are damaged in the process. According to the circle economy, as I've mentioned already, they estimate that around two-thirds of greenhouse gases, except those from forestry and land use, are released during the extraction, processing, and manufacturing of goods to serve societal demand. And the remaining one-third of emissions uh, within that process happen when the goods or services are transported or used. And so essentially, like if we're trying to deal with climate change, we really need to be addressing that our global economy is like incongruent with trying to make that happen. It's it's literally fueling this other half of the, the puzzle, basically, because we can have all the renewable energy, solar on your roof, wind power up your butt that you want, but if you don't have your products in order that are actually, you know, lining up and caring about how resources are being extracted, then... Uh, I don't know how much progress we're going to meet. Obviously, it's not an either or situation. It's definitely a both and, of course. But I think this is definitely something that I don't hear talked about enough. And so it's really awesome that there are people around the world that are really trying to address different ways that our economy could function to actually be in alignment with caring about the earth and caring about the natural resources that are finite, not infinite, on our planet today. And the circle economy suggests right now that greenhouse gases can be reduced if we're able to improve resource efficiency and develop more circular business models. This could be done through things like reusing or reducing the amount of resources needing to, to produce what you're trying to put into the market. And I think that, you know, a lot of governments and people worldwide have yet to really tap in to the benefits of a circular economy. And I think that if we really do want to reduce climate change, we need to be able to give the circular economy a chance. And so I'm super excited for today's guest on the Brown Girl Green Show. Her name is Sierra. She is the founder of Rebundle, which is a company that is committed to reducing synthetic hair waste worldwide. This girl is so dope. She's like around my age, like in her 20s, and just decided like, hey, I really want to address that synthetic hair waste is causing a ton of plastic pollution and is impacting the health and well-being of people in the black community. So I want to create a business that essentially is able to recycle synthetic hair. And I was like, what? That is so innovative. And I'm so excited for you all to hear from her today because we talk about what the circular economy actually looks like in practice through her business as a young entrepreneur of color. 
her challenges, her successes, and what she's doing to actually take action on the climate crisis in her own way. And so I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Take a listen. Thank you for joining us for today's episode called Making Synthetic Hair More Sustainable. I am super excited for today's conversation. We're going to be talking about the circular economy, women of color, killing it when it comes to sustainable entrepreneurship, and how you can start developing your own ideas as an entrepreneur who wants to do good things for the planet and for your communities. So I'm going to let our guest introduce herself. So I wanted to first ask you, Sierra, can you tell me about yourself and the story of Rebundle? Sure. Okay. Um, hi, everyone. My name is Sierra. I am from Kansas City, Missouri. I live in Charlotte, North Carolina right now. And I am the founder and CEO of Rebundle. Um, so let's see, where do I start? I left Kansas City, went to school in Columbia, Missouri at the University of Missouri. Uh, studied business management, got a minor in entrepreneurship. Uh, it's kind of where that spark um, started. I knew that I was very entrepreneurial, but didn't know what it meant to be an entrepreneur. Um, so I did the whole education route, left there feeling like I still don't really know what it means to be an entrepreneur. So I got a master's in social entrepreneurship um, at USC in LA, spent a year there, thought that I had a better idea of what it meant to be an entrepreneur, but no skills to do so. Um, so I was talking to a professor and she was asking me what, what my plan was. And I was like, I don't know. Honestly, I thought I'd have a better idea now, but I don't. So she told me to look into fellowship programs. So I literally Googled fellowship programs. VFA, Venture for America came up. I applied, got in, left LA in Detroit, made some great friends, and then moved to Charlotte to work at Johnson C. Smith University in their innovation center. Um, so while I was working at Johnson C. Smith, I was trying to practice recycling. I've always practiced recycling everywhere that I've lived. And the building that I was living in didn't have a recycling chute. So I would carry my trash from where I lived to the university. And one of the uh, janitorial staff saw me separating it. She was like, why are you doing that? We put it all in the trash. And I was like, what? Wow, that's heartbreaking. So I was like, if I can't recycle at home, then I need to find a better way to minimize my waste. And so that's where the research kind of came from. I was looking up ways that I could you know, not have trash since I didn't have anywhere to recycle this stuff that I knew was recyclable. And that's when I came across the circular economy. And what fascinated me about the circular economy was just how simple the idea is that you design out waste, you make things so that mm. it's not trash, you use it in another form once um, you're done using it for the first, first thing it's used for. And so I, would, uh, I had a notebook that I would make a list of things I wanted to, to research. Um, and synthetic hair was on the list. I hadn't even mm. gotten there yet. And a close mm -hmm. friend of mine, Danielle, she texted me randomly one day. She was like, hey, have you thought about synthetic hair recycling? And I was like, actually, it's on my list. I was, it's, it's like, I'm looking it up tomorrow when I get to work. And I had braids at the time. And so I just started Googling like, what is synthetic hair made of? Mm. And it was just a rabbit hole of all of these articles talking about 
how much waste synthetic hair created in it was made out of plastics, made out of PVC, PPT. Wow. And so while I'm reading this, I'm scratching my head like, dang, like <laughs> this is some really crappy hair. And then I'm yeah. like, if it's made out of plastic, then hypothetically it's recyclable, right? And so mm -hmm. I, I worked in the STEM building. This was the summertime, so there were no students there. And so I went and asked a professor and I was like, if synthetic hair is made out of plastic, then hypothetically I can recycle it, right? And she was like, <laughs> hypothetically. And so I said, okay. And so the next thing I did was I found a grant making foundation that had a, a grant open at the time. And I just started formulating the idea of, of what would become rebundled. Mm -hmm. I just knew that synthetic hair is plastic. If it's plastic, then it's a possibility that it can be recycled maybe back into usable hair or into something else. And another part that needs to be improved was the overall quality. There's no reason why a product that so many black women use all over the country, all over the world should give us reactions and mm. uncomfortable experience. Um, and so that that was the beginning of, of where we are now. Wow, that's an incredible journey. And it sounds like you explored it because of you know your own personal needs and where you come from and your own perspective. You, you saw a gap and you really just, hustled your way to figuring out how to solve that problem, which is amazing. Yeah, that's awesome. And a question that I always ask on my show is, why do you think, I mean, I kind of already know the answer to this, but why do you think, in your opinion, in your own words, you are changing the image of what it means to be an environmentalist through your work at Rebundle? I just bring a different perspective. This company is not just a beauty brand or a STEM company or you know a sustainability project. It's a combination of all three. And the reason that there's not a lot of research for me to lead off of is because there's no there's not a lot of people who look like me in that cross space. And mm -hmm. so what makes it different and why I think I'm changing the image is because my own personal perspective that I bring to this industry when I'm when I'm in spaces, especially vi environmental spaces, and I'm like, yeah, I'm focused on synthetic hair. Half the time they don't even know what it is. And so I'm having, to, I'm having to bring attention to this market and to people, women that look like me, who use this product on a daily basis and let them know, like, you know, we're contributing to pollution in a way that is gone mostly unaccounted for because there's nobody in this space to advocate for mm. it. Um, and so that's that's the exciting part. I love being in um, these spaces where they have no idea. And I'm like, this is a billion dollar market for a product that is used literally on a daily basis. Yeah, and I think that there there hasn't been anyone out there who's thinking of alternative solutions because people, if people don't know that it's a problem, they're not gonna think about solutions to solve it. So I think it sounds like you were able to identify and bridge that gap, which is which is super important. I'm also wondering, you know, you're you seem to be very well versed when it comes to the work that you're doing. And I I'm sure there's a lot of viewers on here. You, you threw out the term circular economy earlier when you're talking about rebundle, but, but I'm sure some of the viewers on here don't know what the circular economy is. Could you just break that down for us? Like, what is the purpose of it? Who's involved, et cetera? Yeah, economy is really simple. It's just a system for eliminating waste from the beginning to the end of, of a life cycle for a product it has a purpose and or it's designed in a way to be repurposed in its end. 
And so mm. this starts all the way at the beginning of the supply chain with raw materials and manufacturers, um, the way that they design products so that they have a longer life and or are able to be broken down into uh, components that can be reused in something else. Let's think of an example. I don't know the name of it, but there's a, a headphone company that they make these modular pieces for headphones and they lease them. So nobody owns them. And the material is really high grade so that it lasts longer. And if anything breaks, you just mail it back in, get it fixed. If you don't want them anymore, you mail it back in. And this mm -hmm. is to ensure that it doesn't end up in the trash. I mean, how many times has these headphones broken for us? It's cheap material. And then the only place yeah. it has to go is it's to the trash. So the idea yeah. of the circular economy is literally just to eliminate waste so that everything has a useful life over and over again. Yeah, and your business is essentially doing that with synthetic hair and is figuring out how you can close that loop so that way synthetic hair doesn't end up in landfills, which is awesome. Yeah, in 2018, $1.46 billion worth of synthetic hair was imported into the United States alone. And Whoa. black consumers make up like 85% of that spending in the category. So we're using all this hair, all these products that have yeah. no end life and they end up in our oceans and in our landfills. And so mm. the idea is because it's made out of other plastics that are used in household products and we know that they can be repurposed if you can just recapture the materials and so mm. we just go and make something else out of it, whether it's me, whether it's Rebundle or I find a, basically like a recycled materials mm. company that reuses the materials and it just becomes a steady waste stream for them so that we know for sure anything that is a Rebundle product has an end life into being something else. Mm. How are you able to like incentivize or, or get people to like be hyped about your, your process? Mainly just from talking about it. I mean, the, the perspective has to be changed. Like you don't think about how synthetic hair contributes to pollution in the way that you might a bottle or straws or something like that. So talking about it is really just the start, um, getting people to recognize that you contribute to pollution in a way that you were not thinking about. And it's an easy switch. You're, the only thing you need to do is drop it off or mail it in. And it's as simple as that. And acknowledging that you have a responsibility to the environment and to your community um, to mm. be a better steward. Yeah. And, and it sounds like you are very well aware of like how to communicate to your target audience and, and how you are marketing and talking about, you know, your process because you see and are driven through your own passion for it, because obviously you directly would use the service yourself. And I also yeah. know these people, like, it's not like, I don't know who's using this product. I don't know who's installing the braids. Like I know these women. So it's, it's, yeah. it's not simple. The fact that mm -hmm. I identify with this community, I am a part of this community. It makes the conversation a lot easier. Yeah, definitely. I'm sure there's also people on here who, would probably be interested, I mean, including myself, is, is how did you learn to teach yourself how to become an expert in the circular economy to create your business? Like what were some of the resources or tools you used to be able to figure this stuff out? Google. <laughs> Doing my Googles, man. Um, once, I, I think one of my superpowers is just being able to get answers out of people and get answers out of like stuff, resources. 
Uh, I'm really good at figuring stuff out. And so just learning what the circular economy meant, the term, the Ellen MacArthur Foundation, reading all of their resources. I'm attending conferences when I worked at Smith. I would tell my boss how, how much I was learning about this space and I think there was a good opportunity for the students to learn here too. So he sent me to DC to the US Chamber of Commerce conference for the circular economy. And so I was learning about it from from those experts, people that work at Loop and TerraCycle um, yeah. and American Airlines and uh, Harris Teeter, who are, you know, have all these initiatives to make the circular economy a, a much more easier process for taking advantage of stuff like that. Um, what else have I used? I'm a part of some like coalitions. I'm a part of plant-based coalition who's also um, has something to do with the circular economy, like policy wise. And so just getting connected to organizations and, um, people in this space. Now, Charlotte used to be like, sort of like a hub for the circular economy. Um, there's some, some people here who were focused on that, like for a city initiative, but I mean, it's kind of been scrapped, but yeah, just getting connected to people who know more than I do. <laughs> were, were you always like into sustainability or reducing waste or is this like a new a new thing for you like what is your background story of like getting into environmental issues um i think i've always just been a person that cared and just doing my own research in ways that i could be better how i could recycle better and i you know share those stories and experiences on my instagram so that my followers can be better but i'm like I think I just became an expert just because that's what I'm into. Um, <laughs> but definitely not like a studied environmentalist or anything like that. Uh, in grad school, uh, we had a lot of these like group projects. Grad school is basically all group projects. And so um, I never was in the environment groups. I was always in like education or poverty or um, prison and stuff. It was something I cared about, but I didn't yeah. really grow an affinity for it or like a, a real passion until I got into my career, new territory. I was had more time on my hand to figure out. Your journey seems unique, but obviously you're passionate and you were curious. And so it led you from one thing to, to the next to get you to where you are. But I'm wondering uh, from, from your experience, what is, what are ways that uh, you or other people could teach the skills of the circular economy to those who aren't currently in those spaces or don't currently have access? Probably just getting connected to, you know, some of the experts in this space. In, in my research, I found a lot of like, environmental influencers on Instagram and like who even thinks of stuff like this um, but it's like it's content that people want to see and so um, finding finding those experts in in your spaces whether it's social media or in your work or in your community mm -hmm. there's people who uh, really care about more than I do they do more work than I do in the environment and they know a lot more so finding those people that that know more is definitely like key to just be active and be curious and be willing to change your behavior so that it is a like collective effort. The circular economy doesn't work unless we work and we participate mm -hmm. as we can tell from big business and from you know all these industry huge companies they're not going to change their behavior unless we require them to by getting educated and advocating for you know ways that you recognize that 
businesses can be better. They won't be until you make them. Mm. We need more people who are creating businesses that are disrupting the norm. And, it, and I feel like the work that you're doing is disrupting the norm because you're, you're attracting much different clients than probably other people that are operating in the circular economy are attracting, which, yeah, are especially like women of color, uh, black women specifically. Definitely excluded, not even thought of or considered in these types of conversations. And maybe it's not always intentional, but when you think from a product standpoint, I can't think of a, a better way for me as a black woman to get other black women involved in the circular economy other than hair. Like we're all about our hair and mm. something that's very personal and, and close to us. And so, and I don't think it was a coincidence that this is how I found my way into the circular economy, but I definitely know that when conversations are being had with these, with these leaders, they're not thinking about products that, specifically affect certain communities. What do you feel are like some of the challenges for you with that, with knowing that, with knowing that like you are one or of the very few that are doing the kind of work that you're doing? I mean, funding is gonna be a support today, tomorrow, yesterday, forever. But I mean, it's definitely difficult to get people to understand. I pitched yesterday actually. Mm -hmm. And it was to an audience that I've pitched to before and still the, the confusion, of course, I'm always going to try to get better and make sure that I'm communicating clearly as possible. But that barrier is almost always going to be there because there is not mm. something that they hear all the time. And so it's definitely a struggle to get people to understand from my perspective as a founder and also just as a consumer why it matters to me. And I, and I think it's about like just continuing to reground yourself and remembering like the purpose of why you started your business in the first place, the community that you're serving, because getting those like no's or that confusion can be really like discouraging. Can yeah, it's really disheartening. It's yeah. Really yeah. And I, I feel it, like as soon yeah. as you get that, that one check, like literally money check and like a check begin to like, okay, I understand. I, I see what you're doing. Um, it's <laughs> yeah. just really like a progression from there. Yeah. It's literally like a series of like testimonials of other people, you know, verifying that you're legit. Uh, it, it takes like that one person to see your worth and, and the work that you're doing. And it's, it's really important to hold on to those people. Yep. As much They'll as get possible. you there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Were there any like key mentors or people in your life that really like helped you with this journey? Shout out to Venture for America. Those fellows really keep me connected to why I am in Charlotte. Like I was living in LA and I left because I, I wanted to be a Venture for America fellow. Um, but <laughs> it was just the community that I wanted to be a part of. And so a lot of those fellows remind me and support me um, and the decisions that I've recently made and the decisions that I've made in this in this journey since I've been here, as well as my my close friends and my professional network, like the people I know here in Charlotte, my friends back home definitely help have helped me in this journey. Mm -hmm. Even just listening. I I remember the first few conversations I had with friends. I was like, I'm I'm kind of thinking about this like synthetic hair thing. And I just was overwhelmed with a lot of support and understanding. And that is 
definitely appreciated. That's fantastic. You sound like you are very well loved and supported in your work, which is really definitely. important here. Yeah. Look these people. Yes. Yeah. I think with having an amazing support network, I think that that's one key part of being, you know, an entrepreneur in a space that doesn't necessarily have the instructions of the rule book on how you, especially as a woman of color, are supposed to show up, supposed to uh, do any of these things. It's kind of like a learn as you go situation. So I know from my own experience, I've experienced a lot of imposter syndrome or having a lot of doubts about my expertise and the work that I do. And I think that the work that you're doing, especially because we're around the same age is so impressive. And I'm just wondering how have you been able to overcome your own self doubt, especially being a young person in these spaces, you know, sprouting up, doing your own thing, killing it. Uh, I, I'm just wondering how, how you cope with that. Prayer. <laughs> no, I have experienced more doubt in the last like 40 days than probably all of my life. And so I'm really staying prayerful and just tapping into my superpower. Like I don't have all the answers for this company or for my career. I mean, I left my job in February. I had no idea what, what I was going to do. I just knew what I did not want to do. Even when I'm, I'm feeling it, I'm talking to my friends for encouragement and also just staying focused on my powers. I know what I'm good at. I know, I know that I can get answers out of people. I know that I can do phenomenal research to, to get the answers that I'm looking for to get me a step closer. So that the next presentation I have, I have better information. I'm better prepared. Mm -hmm. And I, I sound like I know what I'm talking about because I do. Even if I don't, it sounds like I do because I did my research <laughs> at least. Yes. So yeah, praying and just staying focused on my superpowers. And, you know, hopefully at some, at some point as the company grows, there will be people around me who can fill in where I know I'm not best at, but all, all I have for now is my own superpowers. That's so great. I, I really needed to hear that today. <laughs> I need to tap into my own superpowers sometimes also. And I, I think that, I mean, it goes back to what you were saying before, having a support community, knowing you're not alone, I think is so important because that's how you soundboard ideas. That's how you figure out what resources are out there and what's not. It's about being vulnerable and putting yourself out on a ledge to ask for help and, and to really extend yourself with the hopes that, you know, you're going to receive love and praise and maybe not always you're going to get that. But I think constantly taking risks and chances on yourself, but also having this confidence that you at least know enough to have gone to this point is what is what matters. And I think a lot of people discredit that in themselves. I know I do. But yeah, yeah I think yeah. It's so asking for help is my second superpower. Mm -hmm. I yes. will slide in anybody's DM. I will email anybody. I'm, I will tweet anybody. Like, I don't care if I have a question or if I think you have information that is valuable to me that I can learn from you. I do not care. I will ask. <laughs> yes. No, I, I completely agree. I slid into your DMs to be on the show. <laughs> right. And I love it. <laughs> and I'm learning so much in this episode. I, I wanted to ask, you know, from your perspective, why do you think it's important that there's more people of color getting into a sustainable business to get into the circular economy from, from your point of view? 
I mean, well, one, we really drive this market. And so we can't just be consumers. We have to be in every part of the supply chain to, to make informed decisions uh, and to make sure that our communities are being taken care of um, mm. both financially and environmentally. And so it, it, it's almost like, why would we not be involved in, in every aspect of it? There's, there's mm. really no reason not. It's just a matter of um, making sure that we're all informed and have the opportunities um, to get into these spaces and that we are, you know, represented and acknowledged as well. Mm -hmm. No, thank you for, for sharing, sharing your thoughts on that. I think, you know, nothing for us without us. And I think that when it comes to the businesses and uh, the goods that we are creating, we really need to think about, you know, how people of color have a seat at the table in that conversation. So just my last statement is that, you know, I know with COVID and the quarantine, things are very stressful and unknown for a lot of businesses. But I think now more than ever, we need people like you that are building sustainable businesses. That way, when we're out of this mess, out of the storm, we're actually seeing businesses and innovative thinkers popping up that are thinking about how they can create new businesses, new markets uh, that are that are good for the earth. So I'm really grateful you're bringing these perspectives to the show because I hope that other people who maybe wanna start their own business but don't exactly know how to can start thinking about that during quarantine or beyond that we need more entrepreneurs in this space. So I, I just wanted to express my gratitude that that you're really pushing forward and you know whatever lessons you're learning are going to be the lessons that you're passing on to so many other young people especially young people of color who want to do the same thing what what is your advice to any like young entrepreneur who wants to do good things for the environment what what are the two lessons or takeaways you'd want them to get out of this podcast i don't think i wrote anything down for that do your <laughs> googles i mean you have to you have to do your research if there's like an idea that you have for sustainability you know figure out what's already being done but if it's if it's a specific product you know the way it's made figure out what it's made out of and how you can improve that um learn from what other people are doing in the industry or or similar industries that you can replicate i look a lot at other sustainable businesses who are not necessarily in the beauty industry or have anything to do with hair but the their business and how they convey their message to their followers and i i use a lot of that in, as inspiration to make sure that i'm communicating the same thing because the goal is the same to eliminate waste no matter what kind it is so definitely doing your googles and <laughs> second piece of advice i don't know journal i was journaling a lot with just the ideas that I had. And it, it took a while to get to one that stuck. When I got there, I knew that was the one. And I knew because of how it made me feel versus the others that I had mm. journaled who maybe I got to and I was like, mm, it's a decent idea, but it's not really sticking. And so definitely journaling and going through a, a lot of ideas helps you to get to the one or two. Maybe it's not this one for me, but it might be the next one. Oh, I love that advice. I think journaling is so important for me also. And I think, I, I guess, adding on to that, I would say that finding someone who could support you, either like a life coach or a Facebook group or like a friend 
tax, like an accountability partner, someone who like you can tell them about your vision for your business and actually like you can soundboard for each other. Like what are the positives of your plan? What are some of like the things you could change or make better? I'm figuring out how you can share resources with each other. I think forming community groups that are focused around how you can come up with innovative ideas and you all are supporting each other it is super important when trying to think about how you uh, can build a business that also cares about the planet and is aligned with your values. Because <laughs> that's a lot yeah. of things to hold at once and you need some like-minded people so that way you don't feel so isolated in figuring that out. So thank you for, for offering that. During this mini break, before we head into the final Q&A with Sierra, I wanted to take this moment to talk about the opportunities that the circular economy could present in a post-COVID world. According to a Stockholm Resilience Center's recent report, they identify that moving forward, our world should be considering the importance of long-term risk reduction and sustainable fiscal thinking. A circular economic model could provide a potential alternative to the current system as it's focused more on being reliable and continuous rather than focused on exponential growth. This could have a positive and overarching impact on social, cultural, economic, and environmental sustainability. More importantly, here on the Brown Girl Green Show, I am most concerned with the inclusivity of an economic model like this. But I recently read a report by Chatham House indicating that creating a closed-loop economic system could potentially provide new opportunities to rethink how resources are being produced, distributed, and repurposed into products, which in turn could potentially reduce existing tensions and struggles around resource conflicts as local communities could potentially have a say and benefit from a system like that compared to one that is focused on benefiting the 1% or super large corporations. The circle economy, who I'm pulling a lot of this break information from, they listed two amazing examples of this in the recent article, hashtag circular post COVID. One was the Elapad Alliance based in Bangladesh, which has helped hundreds of thousands of women who are garment workers to become entrepreneurs who recycle textile waste into sanitary pads. This not only helps keep out billions of bales of textile waste from entering landfills, it also gives women jobs to improve their health, safety, and education. Another example that the circle economy provided was Food Forward, an initiative in South Africa that saves edible food that would otherwise be wasted from the mainstream consumer supply chain and redistributes the food back to local community organizations instead. Clearly, these operations are being done at a small scale, but imagine what could happen if they were scaled up. And of course, like, I'm not sure exactly how these businesses are faring during quarantine and during COVID, but the point of me bringing these examples up are because we could create more businesses like this in a post-COVID world. It, it's already been happening and can continue to happen if we start getting our priorities straight. Currently, the UN Sustainable Development Goal number 12 asks to ensure sustainable consumption and production patterns worldwide. And as of now, it is womp womp deemed insufficiently met. In our post-COVID world, we need more people to create their own businesses to close the loop on waste, as well as to call out government leaders and companies who are going to try to continue business as usual. But guess what? We're not buying it. I hope this left you with some ideas to chew on so we can continue to push toward a waste-free planet 
which is like totally possible. Now, let's get to the final Q&A with Sierra. I'm so excited to move into the Q&A because people are asking hella questions and it just shows that this conversation is very riveting and exciting for people. So the first question we have here is, a common discussion about black hair care is that many beauty suppliers aren't black and don't use or fully understand the products they sell largely to a black consumer base. In what ways do you think you will encounter and deal with gatekeeping as you attempt to disrupt the synthetic hair industry? In what ways do I think I will encounter? Well, I have encounters with these gatekeepers basically every day. The synthetic hair industry, the hair industry overall is a really coveted business, a really secret business, but there are other people, other gatekeepers who know the same thing, have the same knowledge, just have to get to them. For example, I had a conversation yesterday with a lady that works at a poly polymer monofilament company. And they basically sell the chemicals that are used to make synthetic hair at the very beginning of the supply chain. And she was able to tell me more than anyone that I've talked to in the industry. And so tapping into my superpowers, getting to the people who have the information that I need, asking the right questions is how I kind of circumvent those people who are not willing to talk to me. And she's gonna make more introductions for me. And mm -hmm. so I know that I will run into this problem a lot, but I also know that what I'm capable of and I can, I can get the answers that I need. I just have to get to the right people. Mm hmm. Yeah, it, it sounds like you're, you're consistently like revisiting your strategy on how to find people who are on your side on your team to, to make this happen, which, which requires a lot of effort and time. But it sounds like those people are starting to pop up for you, which is it does. Great. You just have to, to know who else you can ask. Like, I, I know I can't walk into a beauty supply store and ask those owners where the hair comes from and what it's made of. Either they don't know or they're not going to share that with me. But um, mm. there's other people along the supply chain who may be more willing to, to talk to me. And I'm constantly looking for those people. Mm -hmm. The next question builds kind of off of that. But what is something you've learned from pitching, like the challenges, the successes, uh, any lessons learned you can offer? I get better every time. <laughs> um, is I remember my first time pitching was in undergrad. And this is really when I was just learning what it meant to be an entrepreneur and all these skills that I had to have, which included pitching. I literally froze. I didn't say anything. And I was like, wow, that was so embarrassing. I'm not doing that again. And so <laughs> the, what was the question? Like, what have I learned to keep doing it and figure out what works for you? Like, uh -huh. um, note cards work for me, whether or not I read them, it doesn't matter, but I need them close. And I, I need to mm. at least be able to glance at them, but that may not work for everyone, but it, it kind of works for me. And so I hope that one day I won't need them at all, but it works for me for now. Yeah, totally. And I, I love this next question. What is your five-year goal and vision for Rebundle? I got asked this yesterday. Rebundle <laughs> is gonna be the first manufacturer and supplier of synthetic hair in, the, in North America, in the United States. Yeah. Yes. Um, it's not it's not so much as just recycling the hair. I need to know what's in it, who made it, what are the mm -hmm. chemicals being used, making sure that the chemicals that are not good for us are not being used and that we're mm -hmm. employing people in this country that look like us. Mm -hmm. And um, 
that job. I'm not just creating another manufacturing job, but we're actually creating a product that works for the environment and not against the environment. And I need to control yes. that whole supply chain. Oh yeah. Oof. I got chills. That's so <laughs> cool. Yeah. I think that, you know, you're, you're killing it already. And I, I totally see that free bundle in the next five years. And I think creating green jobs, creating these systems that allow, especially people of color to feel empowered to be in an industry like this is going to be so beautiful to see in the next five years. Yeah. It's, it's going to so be fun. I'm stoked to see your progress. And someone else asked, have you had to make any shifts due to COVID-19? I know that this is, you know, a recent and a sensitive topic, but I'm wondering if, you know, this is a reality for a lot of small businesses. How I, I would kind of want to reshape that as like, how have you shifted the business? But how have you also like, yeah, stayed afloat? I mean, you talked about prayer, but if, if there's anything else that has really helped you with like, staying calm and collected and focused on your, your five-year vision. I would love to hear that. I'm definitely reevaluating my choices right now and what to expect over the next six months. Because I haven't officially launched, it hasn't changed a lot for me, okay. but I was running a pilot before the salon shut down. And so that's been interrupted. I hope that, I won't share too much, but with the grant, <laughs> that I pitched for yesterday, I talked about my pivots and how I can still use this time usefully. Mm -hmm. With that, there will still be work being done. It, it won't be on a large, as a larger scale as I hope to have achieved between now and six months from now, but definitely being affected, but there's possibility that. Mm -hmm. that that's kind of all we can focus on right now is like strategizing, being very clear on our visions and, and hoping that we're going to attract the right situations and people into our lives right now to, to make our dreams happen. Someone else asked the question, have you heard of the raw society hair company that created the world's first hundred percent compostable braiding hair extensions using banana fiber extracted from the stem of banana trees? Yes, I am aware of their company. Good stuff. <laughs> what definitely like to become a plant-based synthetic hair company. I think I can do it better because they don't know this market like I do. They don't know these mm. customers like I do. They're not based in this country. They're not serving mm. us, but that's not what I'm focused on right now. I'm addressing one problem at a time and I will hopefully get there, get to plant-based. Yeah, I know about them. <laughs> oh, this question's from the same person. Uh, so the question says, like you, Sierra, I had two puppies that were like my children. Whenever I had to travel, they seemed to go through separation anxiety. So I decided to recycle. Oh, so I decided to recycle my synthetic wigs by making doggy pillows to put in their dog houses for comfort while I was away. Since my scent was on the hair, they would stay calm feeling I was still there. It worked wonders. What do you think about this as a form of circular recycling? The pet industry is a billion dollar business. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely unique. Um, <laughs> I'm laughing because I know Jack and we went to grad school together. Definitely uh, unique. It could work, girl. Try it. <laughs> I love it. This is like the stuff I wanted to see on this episode. I wanted people to come up with like whatever innovative idea they could come up hey. with with sustainable entrepreneurship. We need more people thinking boldly. You know, I mean, I'm not even thinking about wigs. So you, you might know wigs better than I do. And you, you know who has the wigs to, to throw away. Girl, make, them, make them dog beds. 
<laughs> you get it. Oh my gosh, that's great. And I think the last question, and I think something that I was going to ask anyways, are what are some ways that people can truly connect and support Rebundle right now and your visions? You're doing amazing work. You're still early on your journey. And I, there's probably tons of people who are going to watch this episode now and in the future as Brown Girl Green continues to grow, who are going to want to connect with you and support you. So if you can offer any ways that people can help you, would love to hear that. Following the Rebundle page would be great. Sharing it with your friends, but also sharing it with Silas. Like they play a really important part in, in my business. And it's important that the message is received by them as well. And so if you know any braid stylist or you're a braid stylist, like connect with me and be willing to try it. Like it's a, it's a new process, but it's not as, it's not as crazy as you think. I mean, like, the the habit is you got your braids in you might cut them you put them braids in a bag a hair cedar bag a walmart bag you put that bag in the trash it's not that they can change to instead take that bag to be recycled that's it that's all you gotta do yes we love it and you can find me bundle on linkedin and on instagram are you all on any other platforms um i have a twitter page but i don't really use it yet i'm also okay. um my new website is being built now. It should be ready in a couple weeks. And so Ooh. just be following us on Instagram and we'll announce the official relaunch of the website. So, yep. Definitely. And I, <laughs> yeah, and I plan on definitely announcing when your website goes up also. And yeah, if anyone else has any questions, you all can follow Rebundle. I hope that you all got a lot out of this episode. I know I did. I'm really inspired to continue thinking about how to build a business and to support other people who want to build their own businesses, especially when it comes to making the planet a greener and brighter place. And so thank you so much, Sierra. Thank you everyone who attended this episode. My name is Christy Drutman, and this is the Brown Girl Green Show where I interview environmental leaders and advocates about diversity and inclusion and creative solutions to the climate crisis. Please subscribe to the Brown Girl Green podcast where you'll be able to listen to this episode later on. I'm on all platforms where you can listen to a podcast. This episode will also be uh, uploaded to the Brown Girl Green YouTube channel and to LinkedIn. And so there's so many ways you can connect with me and Sierra in the future. And I am so appreciative of your time and your business and just, yeah, you're killing it. So thank you so much for being on my show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. This was fun.